Hi, Coffee and Convo listeners. I'm your host, Liz Bullard, and here's a quick ad before we get into our episode. Coffee and Convo listeners to another episode of Coffee and Convos. I am your host, Liz Bullard, and this is my podcast where I talk with friends, leaders in the community, and just other great conversationalists about politics, wellness, and activism. In this episode, I am joined by Nye from Black Girl Tea, and I'm super excited um, that we connected online. Um, For those of you who don't know, definitely check them out on Instagram because their content is wonderful. Their podcast episodes are witty and informational. And so, Nai, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I watch all the time. I'm always tuned in. I see something. I'm like, ah, I love this. So to be a part of it is different. It's amazing. It's different, though. I, I absolutely love your content. Oh, much appreciated. Much appreciated. And so, Nai, as you know, I always start off with my coffee and combo question, which is, are you a coffee or a tea person? I don't want to assume with the name like Black Girl Tea that you're into tea, but tell me. Honestly, it depends on the day. A day mm. like today where I really needed like a, a good push, I was like, I need a coffee. Um, but sometimes when I have, when I do have my eight hours of sleep and I just need a little, little hug, I will have a tea. So it truly I, depends I on that. A little hug when you need a little hug, you just have that tea. Because for me, I think tea is a hug. It's just warm enough. Yes, like and you can, like you can. I feel like you can cuddle your tea. You can't cuddle your coffee. Like you have your coffee, you are going to war. I am ready to conquer the day. <laughs> when you have your tea, you are at peace. You don't. You're like you know what? I just need a, a little something. This is a little extra. But no, you you can't cuddle your coffee. You can't. <laughs> You know what? Yeah. Like, I feel like coffee, even like in movies, right? Like power, like it's like we are out there, we are conquering something like coffee is definitely uh, that that strong and tea. You're always like in this blanket and you got a book and you're like, (laughs) that's literally what it is for me. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So what kind of day is today? Is today like going to war? Is today a tea day? Is it somewhere in the middle? Like what kind of day is today? Today is an everyday, an everything day. So I've been up for a few hours. I've been in and out of sleep. So I had a coffee when I first woke up because I just really needed it. I went for a walk. I'm like, I need to try to figure out where I'm at. Um, I got irritated on my walk and I was like, I just need another coffee. So I had another coffee. And then around 10, I was like, you know what? Let me meditate real quick. Let me bring it back in. And I currently have a tea next to me, actually. So I'm like, here I am with my green tea. I am enjoying my few minutes to myself. And I'm on this podcast, so I'm, I'm really feeling real good right now. But it was an everything I, day know, for I'm, me. I'm, you listen, you went to war, and now you're resting from the battles. I like that. You took control of your day. Yes, you know, I try to take control where I can. <laughs> right? Like, listen, that's it. It's all about trying to find and take control where you can. Right. So, Nye, tell us a little bit about... Uh, yourself and Black Girl Tea, like introduce uh, your your podcast to the Coffee and Combo family. Ooh, so Black Girl Tea actually started off um, as just a blog with me and a friend. We went to Curl Fest and we loved it. Absolutely loved it. And while I was there, I met a girl. trying to go to Curl Fest? Girl, you got to go. I recommend it. I, I, I've gone two years in a row. I'm so sad that it was virtual last year. Mm. I don't think they're doing it this year I, like they usually would do it. But whenever they started back, girl, you got to go. 
Um, but at Curlfest, Curlfest is kind of like a family reunion with people you've never met. So I was there. There was a woman. She was talking to me. She was like, "You're very articulate. I like how you, I like how you're speaking." I'm like, "Thanks." I, this is just me. And she was like, "All right. Well, do you have like a podcast or something?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "You don't have a blog?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "You see, like you're giving me blogger vibes. Like you have your camera out." You have a notebook. You have this backpack on. She's like, you look like some sort of journalist. And I was like, I'm literally not. (laughs) She was like, no, you really look like it. And she followed me on Instagram. She was like, I'm going to put something to the test for you. So I'm like, okay. So she's like, write a blog, like write a blog paragraph for me about Curlfest. And I wrote it. And it was just like, she got amazing feedback on her blog. And she was like, she was like, you need to do this. Like, she was like, if this is not what you think your calling is, don't do it. But I think you should try it. So I'm talking to my friend that I went to Curl Fest with. And she's like, well, I want to start a blog, but I'm not the writer and a conversationalist that you are. And I was like, and I don't have the the patience to edit pictures the way you can. So let's do this together. So we did it together. Um, unfortunately, we don't work together anymore. And I, I've gone with a new partner. But um, so I started off with Jada. Now it's me and Shay. Shay uh, does more of the, the graphic work. So you'll see some of the graphics that she does. Some of the stuff on the website, she does it. Um, she writes pieces behind the scene. And I'm more of the one who speaks out publicly about some of the things that we talk about. But uh, we wanted to make sure that Black people had a voice, a positive voice. We wanted to make sure that we had the content so that you knew exactly what Curlfest was about. Because as we were leaving Curlfest, there was a white woman. And this white woman was like, I have a question for you guys. And... It was amazing questions that she had, but it was like, you're taking the black experience of Curlfest and you're making it your own. You can mm. twist my words. You can, you can add things. You can take things out. And I didn't like that. So mm. I was like, what, what we're going to do with our podcast and with our blog is we're going to have Black Girl Tea to, to have a platform where we express ourselves as black people where we talk about things that we've experienced as black people. We are going to promote black businesses. We're going to do everything up there for black people so that a white person does not have an opportunity to tarnish what we are doing. And sometimes mm-hmm. even in the purest, with their purest intentions, them just being a white person speaking out on behalf of a black person, it does not always come out the correct way, no matter how pure their mm-hmm. intention is. So I said, you know, we're going to do it this way with us. And, um, about a year and a half after us just blogging about everything, we I sat down with Shay and a few of my cousins and we started talking about death mm. and how we don't know how to live without our parents. Mm-hmm. There's never, you don't have that, you don't prep for that. Mm. How, what do I do? How do I take over the family business in, in the case of my family member passes away? How do I do that? What does that paperwork look like? What does this mean? Because sometimes when our when our family members die, you don't find things out about them until after they're dead and we don't know how to address it. So how right. do we continue to live our life? And we're sitting there like, it, it was like four of us having this conversation and I'm like, we don't know these things because this these aren't conversations that we have in black households. Right. Because right. they're uncomfortable conversations. So we mm-hmm. took our podcast and have all these amazing black women. I have one episode with a black guy, but we're having the conversations that are uncomfortable to have. We have an episode called Toxic Parents and we talk about the behaviors of black parents that hurt us. And it's something mm-hmm. that we have to go from. So that is all that we do at Black Girl Tea. Um, outside of that, I am a stylist, I'm an activist, I'm an advisor for NAACP. I do a lot of stuff. So uh, I do a little bit of everything to show 
the little girl that I that I was at, it can be done. You don't have to be a white person to be an activist. You don't have to be a white person to be a journalist. You do not have to be white and powerful. You can be black and powerful. And you don't just have to be black and powerful because you sell drugs and you have a lot of money and you have a cool chain. You can be the awkward black girl and still be powerful. You can be the the nerd girl and still be powerful. So that was that's literally everything I do in a nutshell, including black girl tea. I mean, wow. <laughs> like there's like I had to take some notes because there were so many parts of what you said that I, I want to like go back on, even as far as someone seeing something in you that you didn't know was there as far as being a blogger, because even tying back to you talking about we don't have those conversations, right? Like um, when I think about Waterbury, and so for those of you who listen who don't know, like Waterbury is considered a city in Connecticut, but we don't necessarily have a lot of those outlets as far as like a city when you think of like New York or California, whether that's like being a DJ or blogging or podcasting like sometimes we're slower with that and so even it, it's powerful to me that you know when people are like hey you know what have you tried to do blah 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 because yes. sometimes people just aren't exposed or you don't see that in you and so I think it's always amazing when people are just like having those genuine conversations and just being open enough to say hey I really see something special in you and I wanted to to plant the seed or water the seed I see in you. Um, I think that's awesome. And I encourage anyone out there, you know, if you're looking at that, that guy, that girl, and they have the cool glasses, tell them, Hey, I like your glasses. Hey, you know what you look, you know, whatever it is, whatever, like your spirit kind of was like, Oh, that's pretty cool on that person. Don't be shy to say that. And Don't then be, and I've, that's something that I had to learn as well, because I, for me, I, I'm the type of person, if I see something, I'm going to say something, but there was yeah. a point in life where I kind of stepped back from that because right. people weren't taking it well. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh my God, like, I, I love this dress on you. And a woman would be right. like, okay, I'm not a lesbian. Well, neither am I, but I think I should tell you that this dress looked good on you. And I, once I started like backing up from not giving people those compliments, people, people that knew me were like, girl, you are changing. Mm. And I was like, oh, am I? They're like, where's the, you don't have that spark anymore. Like you used to tell Ooh. me when you like my outfits. And I'm like, because some people take it the wrong way. And a guy told me, he said, he literally said to me, he said, if you like my outfit, you tell me. It's not, I don't, I'm not supposed to be able to transfer what you need. I'm not supposed to be able to translate that because from your heart to mine, you meant good. And I took Ooh. it as bad. So he said that I have to take that step back, but you did your part of this. And you'll always get blessed when you do your part. And when he said that to me, I said, you know what? He's right. And I, I didn't realize how much of an impact that type of stuff was to other people. And that's why I'll continue to do so. And I always encourage someone else to do it. If you think some, like you said, if the glasses are cool, if you like her outfit, or if you think, you know what? I think you have the potential to do X, Y, and Z, do it. Because I'm so, I believe in God. Um, I go to church. I'm, I do the whole thing. When God lays something on your heart right. and you do not follow through with it, you pay. That person does not pay. That's and a you, word right I, there. I personally, I dare not stunt somebody else's growth because of my ego. I dare not stunt somebody else's growth because I'm hesitant to tell them what God laid on my heart to tell them. No. So you love it. And agree to everything you said. I love it because you're absolutely right. Because you never know what someone needs to hear. Whether they took it the wrong way in that moment or not, you never know what they needed to hear. Maybe, you know, even sometimes, like I think about 
my podcast. I'm like, oh man, I said this wrong or did this. And then someone's like, wow, I really like that. And I'm just like, okay. And like, that really gives me the encouragement to keep on going. And you never know when you're doing that for someone else. And so listeners continue to be that light. If you see something, if you see someone rocking it, you know, you tell them, you know, you do that. You pour into somebody else's cup. Um, but I also loved how you talked about how um, with white people coming to the curl fest and even when they have the best intentions, sometimes they take things away. And, and um, when you're talking about that, I was thinking about there's some things like if you're not in that vein, right, whether it's being black or Latinx or uh, a skater person or whatever is is unique to that group. You might try and take things away that you think are not important, but to that group are very important, whether that's conversations about curl pattern or products or hot combs, whatever it is. If you're not in that group, you're like, oh, well, I can omit that. And I love how you're like, no, like we want all this. We want everything in the kitchen sink for our people. And so we're going to be that and we're going to have those difficult conversations. Um, And I I loved how you talked about how the, the, the different um, forms of black being powerful because we often don't talk about the awkward girl or the nerd girl or the quiet girl being powerful. We, we definitely have that image of what is powerful when we think of black women. And I love that you give space for all these shapes of black to be powerful. Right. It's, it's necessary. I'm, I am what is classified as an awkward girl and I will be that Mm -hmm. 100% of the time. And there aren't spaces for me. I couldn't go. I recently, uh, I'm from Bridgeport. Um, recently, I've fallen in love with the restaurant called Grill Two. As an outsider looking at Grill Two, I'm like, I have no place there. Like those women are twerking and they're on their their heads and doing. And I I do those things too, but I don't do it in the same aura as them. And I was like, I'm gonna be an outcast in this place. No one, no yeah. one's gonna be accepting of me. I'm not gonna put myself in that predicament. I'm very confident in myself, but I'm like, I'm I would never put myself in a predicament like that. Right. And right. I went there with my I went there with my siblings, and I'm like, I know when I'm out with my bros and my sisters and my friends, like I know they we gonna enjoy each other. And when we walked in and everyone was so like welcoming to me, I was like, Oh, okay, like cool. And now I can I can literally go to girl two and be that awkward black girl in the corner. And I'm at peace. And they're like, do you want a rum punch? Do do you want chicken nuggets today? Or do you want chicken wings today? Do you separate bowls for everything? Like they adhere to that. And for a long time, I never had that. And I will always Mm. tell Paul, the owner of Grill 2, I absolutely love your restaurant because you adhere to the different types of Black people. Now there's other Mm. Black-owned establishments who don't. Yeah. And I will never knock them, but it's, I, as a black woman who was deemed awkward from outsiders, cool, I'm the awkward black girl. I can't go, I can't, I want to support all, every black business that I could, but I can't because you don't have a safe space for me to be my awkward self. It is not okay mm. for me to be my awkward self. And I know the feeling of that. Mm. I don't ever want, and I know I can't go back and change people's past experiences with things, but I can prevent it moving forward. I absolutely love when, these six-year-old little girls come to me and they're like, your hair was green the other day and I loved it. Cool. You want some green paint? Because I know your mom's not going to let you bleach your hair. But like, <laughs> you you want these things? All right, cool. This is how I can This is how I can get this for you. Let's do this together. Let's make sure that you're happy with what you're seeing. 
if you want your green ponytails, I'm gonna help you have your green ponytails. If if you if you want a blue one, let's do that. But a lot of places are not accepting of all black people. And they make it seem like, yes, we accept you because you're black, but you don't accept me because I'm an awkward black girl. You don't accept right. me because I'd rather sit in public and do a word search rather than be on Instagram. You don't accept that. So I wouldn't, I don't ever want any, any black person in general to sit in my presence and be uncomfortable, but I don't want these babies. I want these babies to know that you can be the black girl with green hair and be okay. You can be the black girl mm-hmm. with a book and be okay. You can be the black kid. You can be the black boy with, with the toolbox and be okay. If you want to wear your cool t-shirts that are, that have all these graphics, let's do it. If you want to wear a ring on each finger, I'm with you. Let's do it. I, I didn't have that. And right. I don't want, and it's not just a, people think of generational curses and stuff like that as just your family bloodline. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's everybody's babies. Yes. I want this next generation of babies to be able to say, I can sit in this restaurant and be comfortable in myself. I can sit there. I can go to black girl tea and I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. And they're either going to sit there and educate me the correct way or ask me for more information so that they can have an understanding on what I'm doing. I didn't have those things. And I'm 24 and a lot of people don't realize like it's such a big difference in me being 24 and in girls being 21. Yeah. Huge difference in, in things. Yeah. And I want to be able to, that, the next group of 21 year olds, they, they need to walk in these places and be comfortable. They should not right. be scared to go to bars and be scared because they're awkward and they don't know what's going to happen to them. Right. And I, everything that I do, whether it's me working with 100 Girls Leading, NAACP, BYP 100, I want it to be, we have a voice and we're going to use it. And that's everything that I, I, I tie myself to and, and I stand on. I, I love that. Beautifully said. And, and I love this new generation that are saying, you know what? I'm not black like my parents black, okay? Like I am either introverted or I am awkward or I am this. And I'm all these things that used to be quote unquote white black, you know what I mean? Or whatever type of label that we used to put on. Like, it's like, no, I'm, I'm black and I am me. And I want to own my space and be comfortable in my space with the rest of my culture and the rest of my people and still feel as if I am comfortable. And, and I love that. And I love um, that you're looking to do that with your podcast and you're sharing all these different shades of who we are as people, because people need to know that. They need to know like what you see on TV is not the only version of Black that there is. We, we, are, we are vast. And, and, and I love that. So kudos to you. Um, keep doing what you are doing. Keep shining your light. And um, I'm excited to have you on to talk about having the difficult conversation and that is not easy to do even like you shared about but whether it's with death and having those conversations within your own household but what are kind of your thoughts of you know we're out of quarantine life is getting back busy and everyone's tired of talking about race they're tired of talking about um equality i mean i want us to talk about how do you continue to have this difficult conversation? Do we still need to have this conversation? Or should we just say, you know what? Back to normal. Everything's back to normal. So I am a very strong believer that we cannot go back to normal because back to normal was not okay. That 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 normalcy that we were used to, we can't go back to that. Um, we need to be better. I am someone who all 2020, I was protesting. I was in these streets. I was 
in Bridgeport protesting Hartford. I was on the highway with them. I was in Fordham getting pepper sprayed. Like I was fighting and I didn't do all that just to go back to normal. I want mm-hmm. change. Everything that I was doing, I, I put, I demanded things from in front of the police officers. I was at city hall with my list of demands. I need change. The change is not just a, a temporary change. It's not getting Juneteenth added to the calendar. It's not arresting him and only giving him the 25 years. It's all across the board, and it, that's going to be in place later down the line. Mm-hmm. Our, our ancestors fought for 400-plus years, and now it's our turn, and mm-hmm. there needs to be a place where we need to start seeing actual change. So the conversation still has to be held because we're not, we're, we don't have equal rights yet. We don't. And just because we're able to go back outside, does that mean that those conversations, those protests, those list of demands go out the window? I worked too hard last year to just let that be a back. Okay, we're just going to put it under the rug because I can go back outside. No, I am still protesting certain establishments. I will not go and sit there. I, I will not do it. I will protest that until they change what they need to change. Should they not change it? Guess who's not eating it? I, I it's, love um it's necessary to keep going. I, I love how you said I, I didn't do all of that to go back to normal. And it really emphasizes when you think about through history and all that people had given up just so we can get to this point, while we are not where we want to be, they gave up so much for us to get to this point. And when you think about the protesting and being pepper sprayed and being assaulted and all these things you go through just to get heard. Um, no, like we still need to have the conversation and um, just kind of the, the severity of the insult where people are like, Oh, I'm tired of talking about race. Well, people were tired of protesting, but they still had to go on because they still weren't getting heard. People were tired of seeing the videos, but they still had to go on. And I think that um, you articulated the importance of resting, but still going forward because too much has already been lost. Right, way too much has been lost. And it's been, my grandmother is in her seventies and my grandmother talks about what she had to go through. Right. The things that she had to sacrifice. And those sacrifices were were bigger sacrifices than what I had to do in just just in protesting last year. I've I've been an activist for a while, but last year alone, it was, hey, I'm not going to work today. So I've sacrificed my salary, that day of salary, that day of work, to go out and, and talk about that. Potentially taking money out of my family's mouth, money out of my pocket. That's more money that I have to figure out later down the line how I'm gonna, but that for me it was, hey, I'm not coming to work. That was a sacrifice for me. That was a, I'm willing to, to take this loss. I'm willing to walk away from $24, hour, $24 an hour for eight hours to stand in there and y'all know what's going on. I was willing to get a write-up at work and deal with some mm-hmm. of the consequences at work. My grandmother, mm-hmm. she had to sacrifice eating. Mm-hmm. She had to sacrifice going in stores and shopping for her and her family. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I look at that sacrifice. I'm like, this is, she did that. And she, my grandmother will be 75. She did all of that and we still didn't get anywhere. And now it's my turn and I done missed a full day of work. And y'all think I'm just going to 
you tired of talking? I'm tired of dealing with it. <laughs> I'm tired of being a victim of this. Mm. Every time a black person has to deal with inequality and injustice, it's all of us. It's not just that person's family. Mm. It's easily could be me next. Mm. I could easily be walking from a store with a Arizona and some Skittles and it's me. I can easily be in the store trying with my, my mixtapes and it's me. I can easily be in the car with my friends and reach to get something from the backseat and it's me. Mm. And it's not, oh, it could be me because we live in, no, it could be me because I'm a black person, period. The fact that I'm a black woman, that's even more that comes with the a territory, but it could be me. Yes, he got 25 years in jail and it could still be me. That he took, he's gonna take that with, with, all right, I got 25. He should have got life. But it could and he's still here breathing. Like there's no replacement. They, they've lost memories, they've lost legacy. I, I, and I'm, I'm a, a child who, I grew up in a single parent home. Mm-hmm. My mom did it with the help of my grandparents and our family. I know what it's like for my dad to make the, the choice to not be here. You take somebody's daddy away from them and then you laugh in our face because our children have to grow up in one mm. parent's homes. That could be me. I, I could be the kid who's only has my grandparents because you took my mother away. Absolutely. And that's why I can't, I, I, we can't just not have these conversations. I'm tired. And for there, and honestly, the most uncomfortable conversation to have when it comes to this is with the black person who's tired of having the conversation. Oh, I don't want to talk about this because we, we keep dealing with it. Okay. But we are still dealing with it. It's not like we took a break and we got changed. No, we are still dealing with this. Everything that happened with George Floyd and another child was a child was killed by police a year later. Like it's still happening. It's still happening. And that's the most uncomfortable conversation to have, in my opinion, when it comes to this, is having that conversation with a Black person who's fed up with it, but not fed up to the point where they want to implement change, but fed up to the point where they don't want to talk about it anymore. Oh, wow. Your silence does not shine light on what's happening. And I get it. If you're in a room of 50 Black people who've dealt with injustice, we're probably not the people who can put things in place. Absolutely. But let's talk about it. Sometimes, and this is the thing that a lot of people miss, is us having the conversation about injustice is not about talking about injustice. It's a mental check-in. Where are you right now in the world? And that's where I, with my friends, that's where we get, that's our moment right there. Hey, are you okay? No, I'm tired. Tired of what? Let's talk about this. I'm tired of talking about injustice. Why? Now, once you get the why in the conversation, it can go somewhere else. It goes way, I'm tired of talking about it because it keeps happening and there's nothing that, that's being done. All right, so now us, uh, us five who are just in this room could team up with another five people who are just as tired. And, and they say numbers make a difference. So our five, next five is 10. Mm-hmm. If we all bring somebody else, that's 20. And we got all these people that now here we are as a people, a unit, tired of having this conversation and we are demanding a change and that's how we get the ball rolling and then you have to once you get the ball rolling you have to be consistent you have to hold yourself accountable and you have to hold everyone else accountable so once we have our group of 40 in front of the police station talking to the the police chief hey chief this is what we demand from you what will you do to get us there and you hold him accountable 
And every time there's a meeting, those same 40 people should be there and they should all bring a friend moving forward. Because there's so much power in numbers. And to be consistent with things like that, that's where us as Black people need to do better. We're not as consistent as we should be. We need to be at those meetings each and every time. And if if you can't get the day off work, okay, cool. Send somebody in your place. Because we shouldn't be down a number because you have to go to work. So, hey, Brandon, I cannot be at this meeting tonight because I have to go to work. So I need you to come to the meeting and fill me in. And I need you to bring one more person because me being absent brings us down to 30 to 39. But I need one more person in that place for me. So they can see each and every time our crowd is the consistent base of people with a plus one each and every time. I love that grassroots activism and those are very actionable steps that people can take Um, because unfortunately we live in a society where numbers are important and as black people we are always in the minority as far as numbers especially in a, a state like Connecticut where we are not the majority of the population and so finding those commonalities having someone to come and say hey be a body be a body show up for this cause we need you because I can't be there. And it is very critical and very important because as soon as your numbers, and and we see this a lot in Waterbury, we'll talk about, oh, well, no one came out to the meeting. So it's obviously not that big of a deal. And and they throw that into um, the people's face over and over and over, um, but we fail to be consistent with our numbers. And it gets hard. It gets hard. We get tired, but that's when we do, like you said, and say, hey, Who can be in this person's place? Who can show up while this person is resting? Because rest is important to activism. You know, that's, you know, you got to keep your head on straight. So you need to rest. But when you're not there, you got to make sure you got one and another plus one there to to hold down the fort. Um, But I also wanted to go back to what you were saying as far as capitalism and and work, because I feel like that is the new form of um, barriers to protest. So like, um, I remember even like conversation last year where people were concerned about going out to the protest because what would happen um, if they got in trouble with their job or something like whether they got arrested or if they found out they were there. And that is a real conversation that this generation has, you know, the inability to get off of work, the accessibility based on their, their job, their employment. And that is a tactic that needs to be talked about, right? Like activism, being able to talk about the things that are important to you. Like activism is a full-time job. Like it literally is a full-time job. It it, it is everything that you need to do because if you are tied to something else, it's always something that someone holds over your head. Well, I'll go tell your boss or we're not going to give you that time off. And that's just an interesting thing that this generation is dealing with as far as, um, weaponizing based on capitalism. I don't know if there's like a technical term or a better way to put that together, but there's this interesting correlation between um, dollars and activism that this generation is going through. Right. Um, So I'll say it like this. When you are going, moving forward, if you are someone who's going to get a job, when you are in that interview and they say to you, do you have any questions for me? Number one, you should always have a question. Mm. But your number one, as a black person, your question to them is: In the event of a protest, mm. how will I be compensated for my time? And then you, you, some people may they might look at you funny, like, "Why do you think 
because this is the reality that we live in, that we have to protest certain things. I'm very passionate about protesting. I'm very passionate about making sure that we get justice for the things that we need justice for. You have that conversation with your employer in that very moment. And if they say, we'll figure something out, then you move forward with the job and you hold them accountable for it. On my resume, it has all of the the organizations that I stand behind. Mm. Hey, I need you to know that in the event that BYP 100 is having an event, I need to be there. I need to be present. Is it going to be a problem for me to have those days off? And sometimes they'll tell you, well, if it's every weekend, I probably can't give you every weekend off. But that's when you have to compromise with them. So, all right, the event is from three to seven. I get off typically at five. Would it be a problem for me to come in an hour early so that I can leave an hour early and go? That's a reasonable thing. If they say no to that, then this is not the company for me. I'm sorry. No, you just dropping the gems. Like, because you think about like when you have like religious obligations, right? And you go to a neighbor like, hey, like I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday is Bible study, whatever. And you have that conversation. But why not also encompass your activism as far as like, hey, like I am really passionate about these four organizations and they are active and I need to be there. Like, why not have that conversation so that way you can make the moves that are critical for you and your well-being and your your mental and emotional health as well. And as that's, another uncom- that's another uncomfortable conversation. Right. That people try to write off. When right. I was working, so during, I had a job working at Zara prior to the pandemic. Prior, I ended up leaving that job and was home like everybody else. I put in my mind, like, I genuinely outgrown this company. I'm not going back. So move forward. So I'm home. I'm bored. I'm like, I actually, it's a pandemic. It's probably nowhere to work, but I'm someone who needs to work. Like, I can't sit here and collect unemployment. That was not me. I wouldn't work at Target. First protest that happened at Target, I was off. So I didn't have to put in for any work. Target understood. Then there was a point where I was realizing that I was working for a company who didn't push me 100% where I needed to be when it came to what was going on. They had Mm -hmm. their signs, Black Lives Matter, posted throughout the store. They put out the statement, as a company, we will not stand here and tolerate the injustice of people because of blah, 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 blah. But I didn't see any Target protest. I didn't see Target on the front lines with us. Being on the front lines is not just posting these little posters. You know, how hot would that be? Like if like Target employees, Walmart, like, listen, we're going we gonna to sh- the same way we show up for the Pride Festival. We're going to f- show up for act uh, Black Lives Matter protests. Like what? Like that would, listen, Target, was, Walmart, all y'all need to step up. They do. And I was looking at stuff like that. And I was like, this is, uh-uh, like, I- I'm not doing this anymore. So let and I went back to working into the clothing store because I'm a, I was a visual merchandiser. So I was like, I need a, I need a company where I can do me. And I went and started working at Bloomingdale's. And I was like, you know what? Before I filled out the application, I did, you know, what did Bloomingdale's do? And one of one of their board members protested. No, Steve. Bloomingdale's? Yes. That was a plus for me. I said... It's not your, it's not the employees in the store that, that, cause they're going to protest. They're going to protest. But to see these corporate level people 
in the streets with signs. In the streets. It was the signs and it, it was the signs, the t-shirts, and they Black Lives Matter. It may have been the simplest sign, but for me, I was like, all right, let me go, let me apply. The fact that you showed up, because like these corporate jobs in a minute, they'd be like, uh, John, we gonna have to lay you off because we no, didn't tell they, you. To go to- <laughs> And I seen one of the, when I seen that I was like let me let me go for it. So in the, in the interview I said to them I said I do a lot of activist work, and they said no way I do. And she said, how would you feel about leading us in a little bit of diversity stuff here so that we can understand and we can educate? And I said, look at God, okay, well he'll make a room for your gift, okay, he sure will. And I, I love the job there, and but it got to a point where at Bloomingdale's, I, I just, I reached every pillar that I could be at. I did every, I, God gave me the purpose, I fulfilled it, and I had to move to the next chapter. But I stand by Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's is a great example. When I said, hey, this protest is going on, do you have waters? Do you need packs of masks? Let us know so that the people who are off can be there. And if there's anyone who would like to swap out a shift with someone else, we'll make sure that it, so that we can be there for you. For Black History Month, they said we need you to educate us on what Black history is. Educate them on what Juneteenth is. And I had to stand in front of a group of, of white people because most of the people in the morning meeting were, were a group of white people. And I had a few Black people there. And I was telling them that they had cups of watermelon and Kool-Aid. And I, this is what red drink is. This is what this is. And I was, this is a company who cares about it. And that, that, yeah. that uncomfortable conversation that I had to have with HR got me exactly what I needed. That That's so amazing because again, um, last year we had all the companies put out the statements and um, as you know, again, when you're having that conversation and you're doing research as this generation knows to do, you'll find they'll, they'll say Black Lives Matter, but they'll also fund a politician who does not stand for anything that goes along with their slogan that they have put out, right? And I love that example of real work that companies were doing beyond. We're going to have a diversity committee, but no, they really said, okay, like we're going to take some action steps. We are going to be a part of this process. And, and put our company on the line. And if people don't want to shop here because of that, well, we're not the the company for you, but they really said, okay, what can we do to be a support? And, and I think that's important. I think it's important as, you know, support is an action word. Activism is yeah. an action word. And I, I do, I think that was just a really great um, breakdown of how having that conversation and, and being true to who you were and who you were called to be opened up doors and connects you with people. And honestly, and I say this to to my friends a lot, when you start taking on projects, mm-hmm. always identify what your purpose is. Mm. And the, so you need to, you need to, uh, and wh- whoever you believe in, I all, before I take a project, I always ask God, reveal to me what the purpose for me is in this season. I love that. And when I get the, when, when the good Lord pulls it in front of me and I go present to the person, all right, well, this is what I'm willing to do for you in this season of this project. And if they Mm -hmm. say, okay, then I go with it, but I never overdo my purpose in a place. 
And when you're mm-hmm. fulfilling your purpose in, in any project, whether it's work, whether it's personal or whatever it is, even if, if in your relationships, when you start to overplay your part, God will start to put things in place so that you can shift right on out of there. Mm. You have to be mindful of it. And especially with jobs, it's jobs, it's having that conversation is very uncomfortable. Hey, I'm noticing that I've been in this position for four years and I'm, I'm still at that very same place. I'm, I'm reaching a point where I feel stuck. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your person in HR, which these, these people in HR are trained to have these conversations with you. Those mm-hmm. people will often say, well, what can we do to get you to where that place, to where you need to be? And you have to identify, well, I need 30 more dollars a week. I need mm-hmm. a different title. I need a, a training. I need something so that you can get to that next place. And you'll start to notice it. They'll, you'll make room. Mm. When you're fulfilling the purpose and it's where you need to go, it, room will be made for you there. But if there's no room, that's when you have to learn to separate. And departures, those conversations are are where, hey, I don't, I can't work here anymore because you don't have space here for me to be black. They're gonna, what mm. the heck does that mean? They're gonna, what do you mean by that? I can't, I don't feel safe in this space. I feel like if I come in here with my head wrap on. You're going to ask me to go home and take it off because it's not religious, which as a black woman, if I want to wear a head wrap because my hair is not cooperating with me today, that shouldn't be a question. Like, you shouldn't have to question me on that. That is all the facts. Listen, I'll pull out the head wrap in a minute. (laughs) I I don't have hair right now, but I still wrap mine up and I wish somebody would say something about it. I've reached a point like you. We have to have these conversations and it's so hard and I get it. And I and I tell my friends all the time. It is hard. Not everyone can sit there and, and be as vulnerable as us. Black people are, are very vulnerable people, but we're, we're taught to turn that off yeah. because of who, who we have to be for everybody else. And we can never have mm-hmm. that, that. We won't even be vulnerable with each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to, with even in going as close as my household, sometimes I have to pry at my mom. Hey, mom, I see that you're tired. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. If you just take that moment to say to me, I'm tired. I see that you've been at work 60 hours this week. Let's talk about why you're tired. No, because we are trained to, okay, master, I'm going to keep going. No, let me take this break. Mm. And that's why it's like when I say generational curses, a lot of people think, like again, like I said earlier, that is within the family. No, black people will work and work and work because master didn't let us take a break. We had to keep going. So here I am as a 24-year-old and I'm like, oh, like, I stopped working early today. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And I have to say to myself sometime, if you don't sit down. And, Girl, and do you let me tell you, I, I, I am victim of that. So <laughs> I'm convicted. I'll be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and it, it's times where I still do it. Like last week I had an early day. I was finished with mm-hmm. work by noon. And mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus, like, all right, what I'm about to do until... All right, well, if I just start working on the next day's workload, I'll be all right. And I got like into it. I'm like, let me go down the street and and go for my walk and be one with myself because I done poured all myself into this man's business. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful of my work, but mm-hmm. I didn't pour myself into my own business, into myself. Ooh, I didn't pour myself into my own business. Come yeah. on, get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm about to, I, I know. Let me get this together, get some designs on it. But like, it's, it's, 
all about the conversational piece. Yes. And sometimes the most uncomfortable part about having a conversation is the fact that the person on the opposite side is not going to comprehend what you're saying. Mm. And because we're not willing to be misunderstood. Ooh, yes. We won't have the conversation. We'll keep our mouth shut. Mm. Sometimes you just have to tell a person, this is how I feel, period. I'm not asking you to, to talk back to me. I'm letting you know that I feel this way. I hate going to Fairfield because those white people make me look weird. And that's the conversation there. If the person doesn't comprehend, that is nothing to do with you because you said what you had to say. And because we're not willing to be misunderstood in that moment, we'll bite our tongues and we're holding it in. And black people hold so much in. And then once we get to the point where we can't take it anymore and we explode, now we're, we're angry, we are bitter, we are loud, we are ghetto, we're dramatic. Mm-hmm. And all but you had to do in the beginning was just be misunderstood because you said your piece. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even like holding it in, when, when I, I think of, you know, our people and, and the health disparities that we have, like trauma is real and how trauma shows up in physical health, how holding on to anger, resentment, how not showing up in your true self it will kill you from the inside out. We as people were created by God. Um, I believe in, in God, you know, and, and that is my higher being who I reference. I believe God called us to be free. And when we do not operate in a, a sense of freedom, that bondage does something to the inside. It eats us. And I think when you think of like, the the high blood pressure the the just food and all that but our environment and the way that we hold things in it damages us and i you know i hope that we as a pe- as a people get our healing and it comes from talking it comes from talking it comes from being vulnerable it comes from being open and it's hard to do especially when there has been a lack of safety in that. Like people have been physically harmed in spaces for being open and honest. And I I hope that we are transitioning into a new generation where they are more aware that they have a right to show up as, as themselves without fear of retribution, whether that is financial, physical, emotional, because as a people, we need to be free. We need to start healing. Our generations of, of, of wealth and of people and Um, need to start healing and growing. And so listeners, if you're out there listening, I hope that you take these words and you say like, what conversations do I need to have so I can be closer to my healing, that I can pour into my business because it's critical. It is critical because you are needed. Whoever you are, whoever's listening, if you're needed, your, your value, you know, you are valuable. That's why you're on this earth. And so really think about what do you need to do for your healing? Right. And and I'll even say this, which is something that a lot of black people don't like to hear. Go to therapy. Listen. Go to therapy. Therapy changed my life. Therapy helped my family. And I, I wish there was more of my family members who would go. But honestly, and, and I'll just use my life as an example. Like we had to, my mom went to therapy. And was like, hey, I think you guys should also go. Cool. We went. I had no problem with going because I knew that I needed to seek therapy. When it came to talking, when it came to talking about it with my friends group, it came down to, "Hey friend, I'm going to therapy." 
And friend was like, okay, cool. Let's let's look. Oh, this is a cute little doggy. <laughs> it was, hey, friend, I'm going to therapy. And it was like, okay, cool. Well, let us know what you think about it. And I went and I was talking to my therapist. She was like, we have group therapy. And I was like, oh, text the group chat. What y'all doing on Thursday at six? We about to pull up somewhere. And my friends was like, where are we going? Just, it's, it's going to be cool. We get to therapy and everybody's like, you took us to therapy? Yes. And it was group therapy. And we they started talking just about like the basics of how everyone's day went. And that's how she gets the conversation. Like, well, how was work today? That's a, she's, how y'all doing? How was work today? I'm angry because at work, blah, blah. And then it starts to trickle down to, well, while I was at work, I realized that my boss did something to me that my dad does at home. And I don't like that. All right. Come on with your triggers. Let's talk about it. Because now you, now, well, I also don't like when people do that to me. Me, me three. All right. The whole room. We don't like that. How do we move forward and address those types of things in a positive manner? Okay, cool. Then all my friends went back home. Ma, let's go to therapy. Therapy? <laughs> yes, girl. Let's go to therapy. Like, what do you think we need to go to therapy for? Everything. Everything. And my friends were like, girl, thanks for t- inviting us. I still have a friend who's like, my dad won't go, but me and my mom will go. And I'm just waiting for my dad to to just open up and go with this. And honestly, I my, my best friend in the entire world is a black man. And he is 6'7". He weighs almost 300 pounds. And that man will go to therapy and cry. He had to call us in as friends and openly apologize to us at therapy. Like, I didn't realize that I was taking the the hurt that I got from people and hurting you guys. I didn't realize that, friends, and I'm sorry. And those are uncomfortable conversations that you can have. You can have an uncomfortable conversation with a therapist and let that therapist be the guide of, hey, this is how we're going to have this conversation. I'm going to let him talk. I'm going to let her talk. And I'll be here to, to, to be a listening ear and help. And make sure that this conversation does not go overwhelming. And it, those types of conversations will get you places. Write it down. Having a conversation isn't always talking to the person face-to-face. Sometimes mm. I have to get a piece of paper and I have to say, hey, mom, when you said this at dinner, it made me feel this way. I wanted to address it, but if I had said it to you in your face, it probably wouldn't have came out correctly. So here's mm. this letter. Please write back to me so I know what's going on. Or if you want to talk, just give me a minute. And my mom will take her letter and she'll write back on the other side. Let's talk about this before the night is over. Take as much time as you need. And then we'll come in. We'll come to the top and block and talk. Or she'll just write back. I'm sorry that you felt that way. This is what I meant when I said it. Now now the situation diffused and we're okay. I love that. I, I love that. I love that because conversation comes in a lot of different forms and there is a level of vulnerability but I think it goes back to what you said you have to be willing to be misunderstood and that does not mean your point of view is wrong the other person just was not in a a space to hear your words doesn't mean you didn't articulate it correctly and sometimes you might have to reframe it so that they understand it based on their point of view and their perspective but you deserve to speak your truth and, and have space for your own truth and your own well-being. And, and that's important. And I say that to people in any type of relationship that you have, whether it's a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, a work relationship. If a person is not willing to hear you out, regardless of how they may misunderstand what you said, or even if some people won't even understand it completely, they'll be like, all right, well, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. And I'm sorry. And they'll write it off as, as that. But they are genuinely sorry. 
once that person in your relationship makes you feel that you can't have that conversation with them, leave. Any situation that does not serve you, leave. Leave. You better run and take, take what you need to take, but go. Do not sit in a situation because you don't want to have that weird conversation with someone. You can have in this, you, you and your friends should have uncomfortable conversations. And uncomfortable conversations are not just telling them what your boyfriend did. Sometimes, and I'm gonna be honest with you, sometimes an uncomfortable conversation with a friend is, sis, you did not put on enough deodorant today. And that will literally it, I'm thank you, friend. I didn't realize I was musty. That's that's literally it, it comes you are like right. you're right. Hey friend, the back of your shirt is not as clean as it should be. Let's let's switch out your detergent. I always try to make sure that when I'm bringing, especially when the conversation where you're pointing something out to someone, I try to come with a resource. Hey, the back of your you have on a white shirt, but the back of it is off white. You should use Clorox bleach instead of dollar store bleach. Here's this resource. I'll go out and I'll I'll provide the resource for you so that you can then come back and say, I tried it and it did not work. Thank you. Or I tried it and it worked very well. Thank you. Because that changes the the how healthy your relationships and your conversations could go. Come Absolutely. with the resource rather than saying, your shirt is always dirty in the back. Who's going to want to I wash my shirts. Okay, but they're still dirty in the back. How can I get them cleaner? Not everybody's going to ask you how. Sometimes Absolutely. you have to come with it. This is how we get you a whiter shirt. You use Clorox bleach instead of the dollar store bleach. Spend the extra $2. You don't have it, here's a coupon. Boom. Now you've had an uncomfortable conversation that went rather well. And no one's feelings are hurt. And sometimes, especially in a situation where a person may be musty, their feelings still may be hurt. Because, But they'll say, well, I appreciate you telling me I was stink rather than letting me have, think I was smelling good. It's so it's it's so many boundaries and ways that you go about things, but have those uncomfortable conversations to get it off your heart. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up boundaries because when you have that uncomfortable conversation, it's about boundary setting. And having that uncomfortable conversation, it a lot of times it's uncomfortable because how you might perceive how you've come off or what you're afraid of might ha happen. That person on the other end might not even think it's uncomfortable. They're like, oh, wow, thank you for talking to me. I'm glad you were open enough. I'm glad you felt safe enough to come to me and talk to me. So sometimes it's about getting over our own anxiety when we're having that uncomfortable conversation. Um, but it's so critical, so critical. Very much so. Nye, please do not be a stranger to Coffee and Combos. This I will never. <laughs> I will never be a stranger. Listen, uh, and I got to come down to Bridgeport and hang out, okay? Waterbury yes, is not so far. <laughs> I am always, every, I told you I fell in love with Grill 2. I go to Grill 2 every Thursday night and every Saturday night, unless I am not in town. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to find a little karaoke spot. There's two places up here, but I... I'm torn in between them because the vibes are a little, little off, but I will, I'll figure something out. Will you let me know where your vibe is and we'll plan something. Listen, I'm old. I'm old, but I can hang. I still got some oh. years. <laughs> I'll make sure you're taken care of. You ain't got to worry about it. Cause I'm, I'm a little old. If I can show up as my old lady, black lady self and be welcome, I'm fine. Look, well, we're going to grill today. Grill two. They got the DJ. <laughs> They got the food. Go to the spot. Listen, 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Nye, before I um, ask you my last question, please, any last words that you want to leave the listeners with? Be yourself 100% of the time. And that is advice that I get often when I go to my mentors and I'm like, hey, this this is what's going on. Be yourself. And that, that me being myself has opened so many doors for me. Um, just two weeks ago, I've got awarded Woman of the Year from an organization. And Good for you. Thank you. Um, I am, first of all, I am the youngest woman of the year ever for this organization oh. by a landslide. Before me, the youngest woman was 44 years old. I am 20 no. years old. And I am the first Black woman in 12 years to get this award. Oh, such an honor. And they literally, each person who voted me from the board, let it be known, like, it's your laugh. It's it's your, it's how hard you work. It's how you come here with, and I am, my dressing style is all over the place. One day I will come in there very chic and girly. And the next day I am a grown man. And they were like, it's because you're that that's you through and through. If you can help someone, you will help them. If you can't, you point them in the direction of someone who can. I will literally, I I am a very loud person naturally. And when I go out places with other women who are not as loud as me and they laugh, I am, I'm a laugher. If you, I am not a cute laugh either. I am not a hand in front of my mouth. No, I throw my head back and I open my mouth. And if the laugh is good, I'm going to scream. Like, <laughs> that is me. <laughs> so when people, are, when everyone, like when I started going to Girl 2, I didn't know. I only knew my siblings. And they were like, okay, like, who's this girl? She's been here almost every week. Yep, twice a week, every week. I don't miss a beat unless I'm not in town. And it's became the, oh my God, like you weren't here on Thursday. I missed your laughter. Thanks. It's me who get like me being who I am genuinely not caring if I'm too loud for that person. If I'm not cool enough for that person, it, it, I know, I'm cool enough for me. And I walk in every room and I, hi, my name is Nye and I'm here to do X, Y, and Z. And they, okay, well, I correct. My name is not Naomi. My name is Naomi, but I want you to call me Nye. And that is, you either call me Nye or you call me Naomi. There's no, it's not a nay. I will ignore you if you say Naomi. I will ignore you completely. My name that was given to me was given to me with a reason. And you will not disrespect the choice of the name that they gave me. I will, and it's a very simple name. And I tell all my, there are younger girls who work with me. There's a girl, her name is Zynesha. And I tell her, is your mother named you Zynesha? Don't let them call you Zynesha. That is not your name. You correct them. And you walk in that room with your head high, with my loud slippers on, because sometimes my my hard bottom shoes be loud. And I I demand every room when I'm in there. Listen, this is not a safe space for me. And this is what I need to get it safe. Or, Mm. hello, this is a safe space for me. Hi, this is not exactly how I need it to be. And I'm going to leave. And sometimes you leaving the room does you more justice than you sitting there. Mm -hmm. Always be yourself. Always, 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 always be yourself. That will get you in places that being fake would never get you. I I love it. Wonderful words to end on, to to be yourself, to be cool enough for yourself. I, I love that. Um, it, you know, because at, at the end of the day, when no one else is around, you only have yourself. 
So if you do not like you, it's going to make the rest of those hours when you're alone kind of difficult. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Nye, wonderful words. Um, I love your energy and your activism. Continue to do what you're doing. Um, Listeners, please um, find Nye and Black Girl Tea on um, uh, Instagram and the information will be on this episode bio. And the last question I have for you is what's in your cup? And this is where I ask my guest and my listener, what are three things that you need so that your cup is more full, so that you have a little bit more joy, a little bit more laughter. And while you think of your answer, I will give you mine. So the three things that I'm adding to my cup um, is purpose, passion, and courage. Um, I, I loved what you said about when you are taking on an endeavor, identifying what is your purpose? Why are you there? And that will keep you on task and it will help you know when it is your time to leave. Um, Having passion. um, If you are passionate about something, it will not feel like work. You will be able to keep on going Um, and having courage because sometimes it is hard. Um, While we talk about having that difficult conversation, that uncomfortable conversation, sometimes it is scary because there are things attached to it like we touched upon, whether that is a loss of relationship, a loss of income, whatever that fear is attached to it. And sometimes you need to be courage, have courage to get your own healing and say, I need to speak up because I don't feel safe in this environment. I don't feel completely happy or myself in this environment. Because at the end of the day, the worst thing that they can say is, no, we can't do that. And then you are, listen, you then you know what move you need to make next. So mm-hmm. I'm adding purpose, passion, and courage to my cup. Nye, what about you? I am adding patience. I am adding passion because sometimes I can be I can be a little bit more passionate in things, and definitely in, in keeping purpose in my cup. Um, I my, for me, my biggest thing is I have patience for everyone else, but I don't have patience for myself. Oh, love and that. I will I will hold everyone else's hand and walk them to the finish line, but I won't hold my own. I will curse myself out. I'll punish myself. I will reprimand myself, but I will not be patient with myself. And that's something mm-hmm. that I'm learning, always learning, always in need of. Um, I've, I've been told you don't pray and ask God for patience that you just put <laughs> yourself in. And I'm, I'm getting there. Um, but I could always be more passionate and I could always um, use a little bit more strength when it comes to identifying my purpose, because sometimes um, because I am so patient with others, I will allow that patience sometimes to um, pull me away from the purpose because mm. I have that. I'm, I'm such a people person at times and I could be so passionate and patient with someone else that I'll allow that to derail me from the purpose that's ahead of me um, because I want to I see everyone win. But I have to realize that you, I meet everyone exactly where they are, but it's okay for me to leave them exactly where they are. Absolutely. So that is what's going in my cup. I love that. I love that. And, you know, especially about having patience with yourself and how patience can sometimes draw you away from your purpose, because sometimes you can stay in environments, relationships, seasons in your life longer than is needed. Sometimes you got to move to the next season and we're like, well, I'll give it one more chance. I'll give it one more this. And 
sometimes you need to leave it right where it is. Right. Absolutely. Again, do not be a stranger to coffee and combos. I cannot wait to check out some more episodes of Black Girl Tea. Listeners, be well out there. Please find Nye and Black Girl Tea on Instagram and all social media platforms. Um, continue to be an activist. And congratulations on uh, your Woman of the Year Award. Thank you so much. And I will definitely not be a stranger. We family now. Listen. <laughs> we are family now. <laughs>